Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we've got Jonathan Stark. Hello there. And I'm Reuven Lerner. And um, we're going to talk this week about free advice. Uh, but before we do that, we just want to do a little bit of, as Jonathan uh, said before the call, uh, housekeeping. <laughs> so we are currently on episode number 292. And for those of you who are math challenged, <laughs> that means that only eight more episodes um, – Right, we're, we're, we're computer people here, so the only numbers we know are zero, one, and infinity. <laughs> um, so before we get to episode number three hundred, we're, we're going to try to do something special with it, and we're still working out exactly what the specialness will be. But if you, dear listener, have uh, questions, ideas, memories, um, things, may, maybe things that we have done. Uh, on the show that have not tanked your business. That's to say, things, <laughs> advice that we've given that perhaps has been helpful, uh, we would greatly, greatly appreciate hearing from you. And we'll put together some sort of compilation of this as part of our 300th anniversary, uh, 300th episode celebration. Yeah. Um, so yeah, how, by the way, where should they send it to us? Is there a good email address for us? I don't even know that. Uh, you, that's fine. People can send it to me if they want. The address is jstark at jonathanstark.com. There we go. That made it easy. Um, was there something else we want to take care of? I can't remember what it was. I don't think so. No, I think that's good. Excellent. So, um, basically, I, I told Jonathan the story. Um, so, so I'll, I'll tell all of you folks to give some context to where this uh, topic came up. Um, so, as you all know, I, I do a lot of training and mostly teaching them Python. And every so often, someone will like you know come in and say, "Hey, you know, I I, I use this and this and this." What, what do you think? And if it's just like a minute or two worth of sort of, I would say, even follow on to my course, that's not a problem. I, I see that as like a no brainer to do. But I, a few days ago, I got a message from someone who I know at a, comp at, at a company I teach at saying, hey, when are you next going to be around? Um, because my group is having some issues with Python and we're thinking of moving to Java, but really we'd prefer to stay with Python. So we're looking for optimization help. And maybe we can just like, you know, talk about it for a bit. And that kind of set off my alarms um, because my feeling was they see me as the Python guy. And so if I happen to be around, they'll just sort of get advice from me. And on the one hand, I was sort of struggling with how to respond because on the one hand, I don't want to seem like a, a greedy pig. Oh, if I'm going to talk to you and it's not in a class, then I want money. On the other hand, I mean, presumably whatever process they're going to change or improve, it's going to save them money and potentially tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of dollars. Uh, I mean, this is a company that uses Python to do testing of their hardware. And we're talking like millions of pieces of hardware that they sell every year. So if it's involved in testing that, it's potentially saving them quite a lot, not only in terms of hardware, but in terms of salaries and so forth. So I sent him a message saying, well, you have to understand, like, basically, if I'm going to save you money, um, then I, I would expect to get paid for that just because, like, I'm giving you some business benefit. Um, the, the, the upshot is basically during a break today, uh, before I even had a chance to really talk to this guy, and he was very understanding. He said, oh, I totally get what you're saying. I'll come talk to you during the day. Before he did, someone else from his group did. And they hadn't really talked about the fact that they would both talk to me. Mm. So I don't see this as a conspiracy. <laughs> but this other guy came to me, asked me a question. Um, I sort of figure out what was going on. I said, here, you know, here's an answer, a quick answer, you know, bumpy, bumpy, blah, and that, that was the end of that. Um, 
But it did raise the question in my mind of how do I separate these things? How do I come off sounding professional, not a jerk, and not basically end up being uh, sort of a, a fount of wisdom at no extra price? Um, and, and part of the problem is also that um, I see courses as privatized consulting, meaning I'm coming in, I'm giving you a product. And when you're asking for consulting advice, then it's something above and beyond that particular product. And um, for that delta, I should be getting something. And yet the people who are, as I've discovered in these sets of conversations, the people are sort of mid-level engineers, mid-level managers. They don't think about money, right? They have a problem to solve. Oh, we have a problem. Let's try to solve as best as possible. Here's a guy who knows who might be able to help us out. He likes solving problems. Like, let's go do that. And so I don't think they're being nasty or evil or mean. I just think they're sort of blind to the business side of things. And it took a little while for me to come up with a sort of coherent answer to him, which turned out to be very long. And he was understanding, but it wasn't a, a one, two, three thing. So that's, that's the sort of setup for how to deal with this sort of thing. And I know I have friends who are doctors and lawyers and accountants who get similar sorts of uh, questions. Um, there, there's like an old joke, uh, like a questionnaire that you give up for high holidays at services uh, you know, for Jewish holidays. So like, I would be like, I would like to be seated next to check one or more doctor, lawyer, dentist, accountant, right? To get free <laughs> advice, basically, in synagogues, you say next to them. So this is not a unique situation, but it's one that uh, probably need to think about a little bit. So there you go. So Jonathan, now that I've set it up. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I have a very particular stance on this kind of thing. And it's not popular with everyone, and I don't think it's the only right answer, but it, it works for me, which is uh, having that, as you point out, you don't want to, you don't want to look like a mercenary. You don't want to appear super transactional. And I, knowing you, I'm sure you'd like to help. I mean, it's, it's in your nature. So, uh, you know, the flip side is, you know, this is valuable to them. So therefore, you know, to be fair, you should get paid, but the person who you're talking to doesn't think like that. So they don't even realize that they're asking you, you know, they're, I mean, they're, I, I want to say being rude. They're not really being rude because they don't know it, but maybe being a little bit insensitive or ignorant to the situation. So this kind of thing comes up a lot. It, sometimes it's, you know, Hey, can we get coffee? I want to bounce some ideas off you, that kind of thing. And my stance is, is I'm going to, if the answer is obvious and quick, I'm just going to give it to them because I, I think of it more in the long game where, where if I, for in five minutes, if I was able to give them an answer that saved them a million dollars, then presumably I'm going to stand out in their mind for a particular kind of assistance that at some point they might want to engage me for. So I think I look at it more as like almost one-to-one -one content marketing and mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give away the store if I can do so without doing any homework, without investigating their situation at all, without, uh, you know, really giving them any, any unique information. If I'm just giving them rules of thumb and, and guidelines and best practices, they can find that on the internet anyway. So, and that's one of the things I wanted to bring up when, as you were talking, you know, you were like, oh, I might, I could save them a million dollars in five minutes. That's true, but so could other people, right? You know, there, there are mm -hmm. options. There's a, a high availability of options in the Python expertise space. They could get Guido probably, you know, or whatever his name is. So, um, you know, the guy that created Python. Yes. Yes. You know, so you can't just automatically not you, Ruben, but in general, you can't just magically say, oh, well, I'll probably save you a million dollars with this, so I can definitely charge you 100000 because they're like, well, we could get any Python expert. You just happen to be standing here. So it's not like you can just automatically value price every single thing. If, if, they're, if they have available options, then it, it, it changes the dynamic a little bit. So I see it as an opportunity to set myself apart from all of the other experts who kind of do what I do and say, oh, yeah. Well, you know, if you, if, yeah, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Have you tried this? Here's three things you can try. Let me know how it goes. If it doesn't work out, we could set up something a little more formal, but you know, that might get you what you need. 
boom, done. So no need to make a big deal out of it. But if they're like, well, let me tell you my situation. Like, well, if you want to set up a meeting, or you know, if it turns into a long, long diatribe of them brain dumping for like 25 minutes, or if it seems like it's going to, I'd be like, well, you know, now's not a great time for this. I can't really process all this information like on the fly. If you want to set up, uh, you know, uh, convene a meeting of decision makers and people involved with the thing, I could give you maybe a better answer, but we'd have to put something formal in place to do that. Or uh, another thing you can do is say it depends, you know, it, because often it does. So like I've got two doctors in the family and, and they are frequently hit on for, you know, they'll, they'll, it's not uncommon for them to get a text message from someone else in the family. Like, um, can I send you a picture of a rash? <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> tell me if I should oh go to the, God. you know, uh, or whatever. And, and they're very careful in that situation. Of course they need to be because they don't, you know, they want to be helpful, but they don't want to give you bad advice. You know, they, and, and the answer almost always kind of like, well, it's probably nothing, but you should probably make an appointment with your doctor anyway. You know, or if, if it's still there in three days, you should definitely make an appointment with your doctor. I don't think you need to worry about it, but I don't really know. I can't really tell. And so they don't completely remove the worry. They don't tell you exactly what to do. And in their case, they've got a, a, a governing body that enforces that kind of behavior. And as consultants, we really don't. I think we should, but we don't. So it's sort of incumbent on us to, you know, flip it around the other way, Ruben. Let's say you, let's say you didn't care about this and you wanted to give them tons of advice. What if it was bad? You know, so, you know, and they blew something up or, you know, it just was terrible. So you could kind of just respond to it with, if you can't respond to it very quickly with, you know, in, in under a minute, let's say with a few best practices that they could go try. And if it doesn't work, get back to me. Um, you could say, well, it's really hard to say. It depends. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to send you running off with a loaded gun. Uh, and you know, it, it depends on things that would take, I would have to do a real investigation. It would have to be a more diagnostic engagement. I would need to look at your environment. Oh, um, and I'm saying, you know, assuming this is all true, I wouldn't, I'm not saying say mm -hmm. this just to get them to pay you. Right. <laughs> if, if it's all true and you can't really give them a good answer without, you know, let's say meeting with their lead developer or viewing their AWS installation or, or whatever, it's like, well, you know, I don't know. It, it depends on a couple of things. If your environment is set up like this, then it might work for you to do X. Um, if your environment isn't set up like that or your developers aren't super uh, advanced or, or whatever, you don't have a, a DevOps team, then you might want to try this other approach, but with consult, anything that's really valuable, I think, uh, and there's a low availability of options. So things that are high risk and require a lot of trust in the person giving the advice, it's almost always going to depend on a bunch of factors that you can't get across in like a five or 10 minute conversation. So I, I just opt to give away anything I can. It doesn't really require me to investigate their situation deeply, you know, so best practice type stuff. And just be like, here you go. I probably have a blog post on it already anyway. So like, here you go. Check out this blog post or, or whatever. And if they feel like they got value out of that, then it's, it's just my belief that when things when the going gets rough and things get much more complicated than that you're the first person on the list they're going to call. They're not even going to consider other people. So now you set yourself apart from, from your competitors. Right. I'd say all, all that is true. I, th I think in general, when people, you know, if people just come up to me and say, Hey, do you mind if I ask you a quick question? Then I'm like, sure, whatever. For, for basically that reason. Um, this was, I think, a little different just because the guy contacted me in advance and he said, Hey, what are you next around? So we can set up a time to talk. And the moment I hear that, I think, Oh boy, like, and it even sounded like he wanted to have lunch with me, like during my lunch hour to sort of talk to me about it. And again, he's not a bad guy. I, I totally understand where he's coming from. He saw this as an opportunity. But the moment I think about that, I think, oh, this is more than just like a, a two, three minute thing. And I, I like your approach to it, which is basically like, if it's fast, then give the answer. And if it's not fast, then tell them so and say, look, I'll, I'll need some more time and we should, we should set something more formal. Right. And I, I, that, that also allows me to um, have an easy out, right? Like they, they can, I can say to them, sure, you know, if it's, let, let's talk. 
and then I can during that like so I can I can be nice and generous and helpful and and help people as necessary. But it also means that if shortly in the conversation I realize it's going to be long, then I haven't put them off at the beginning. I put them off after demonstrating that I'm I'm serious about trying to help them. Right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there, there's sort of there's a, a I don't know if it's the same. Yeah, I think it's a, actually a different issue, which is the person wanting to schedule a time like I. I don't have a hard time saying no to that stuff. Hey, can we get coffee? I wanted to bounce a couple ideas off you. I have no problem being like, uh, I'm not going to be able to do that. But if you do have a question, you can send it to me over email or some other asynchronous kind of kind of method. I have a, I almost never will agree to even even with like even when someone just wants to hang out, I will almost never agree to get together just to shoot the breeze. I just it's not part of my lifestyle. So to me, that's a separate thing. Whether or not you'd be delivering value in the conversation and and setting up the appointment, to me personally, are two different things. So in that situation, and it's kind of awkward because you are actually there uh, in person, which normally wouldn't be. And I bumped into him, by the way. (laughs) It turns out that he was at a meeting and I was was finishing teaching. And as I walked out, he was literally right there in the hallway. Mm -hmm. So... uh, so he was like, oh, yes. so then I, I sort of caught up with him. Mm-hmm. But right, right. It wasn't like we had to, had to go anywhere special to meet with him either. Right. So it is a little awkward, but I mean, it's perfectly reasonable. I think anybody, whether, you know, you talked before about them being sort of em- employees and not understanding the, the business implications of what they're asking you to do. But I think anybody can understand that, you know, I, I need my time. You know, I'm in the middle of something. I can't have this conversation right now. I'm happy to have this conversation over email or at some point in the future. uh, But now's not a great time. I'm just I'm coming out of training. I can't shift gears that fast. I'm not going to be able to give you a good answer. Um, Need some time to think about it. Or I have to go to the bathroom or I'm hungry or I have another appointment. I mean, there's a million ways that you can, um, you know, in perfect with perfect honesty, get out of that situation and and that are completely separate from the fact that you would prefer not to give away large amounts of business value for free. So to me, it's two separate things. Right. By the way, you mentioned something about like, uh, you probably have an answer on your blog. So on occasion when people have emailed me after courses asking me questions, like, Oh, I hope you don't mind if I ask you this. Um, I mean, first of all, I'm just terrible getting back to people with email comes so, so, so backed up with it Hmm. better than I used to be like every week is better. But, um, but often what I'll do is I'll um, often like sometimes when this happens, I'll simply write a blog post about it, answering their question and then point them to that. Mm-hmm. Cause then I figure, well, like everyone's getting something out of it. They're getting the answer they wanted, but I'm also like, you know, helping more people. I'm getting my name out more people will point to it and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Right. I do very, um, something very similar on my email list and in, in my uh, group coaching Slack. So depending on, on, uh, how we are engaged, you know, so if, if someone is, is not a customer, they're just a member of my list and they send me a question. Um, a lot of times if it's just a, if I just have a, an, a, you know, it's the kind of situation where I've got an answer that I always give. It's really easy for me to just type it out real quick. One, two sentences and reply. I'm going to do that. Uh, if however, it's a little bit more involved and it's going to require, you know, it's a meteor topic, you know, if it's a meteor topic versus like, should I use drip or MailChimp? Uh, but if it's a meteor topic, like how do I respond to someone who's asking for freebies all the time, then I would reply and say, Hey, would it be okay if I, you know, it's totally fine to say no, but it would be okay if I shared your question with the list and I can answer it there. And mm-hmm. virtually always, I can think of no situation where someone said, no, I think maybe one time somebody said no, because they had a, a, their client was also on my email list. Um, but, but they, you know, almost always they say, yeah, please go ahead. And, and like you said, when I do that, it's benefiting more than just the one person. It's beneficial to everyone. It's also beneficial to me because I'm adding value to the list, which is an important asset that I, I have, uh, same thing with group coaching. So somebody will, uh, sign up for either group coaching or a coaching call, which gives them access to me in a Slack room, but it's not private access. So if they DM me or email me with questions, I say, oh, this is a great question. Would you mind putting it in the general channel in the Slack room that we're in so that everybody can benefit from the answer? And, you know, 
and that's what they do. And, and it's, and everyone's always cool with that. So, mm-hmm. you know, the higher, you know, my, my highest tier offering, that is when you get private one-on-one phone calls. That's when you get private DMS and you, it's, you know, people who need to share things like specific financials and negotiations with clients and that sort of thing. They can do that there and know that it's going to be private and not shared. You know, it's the stuff, it's stuff that can't be shared. No one else can benefit. I mean, people would benefit from it greatly, but they're paying for the privacy and the the one-on-one attention. So, you know, for me, overall, I would look at it as a a really an opportunity to, uh, it it feels like a content marketing opportunity to me in many ways, even if it is one-on-one, as long as it's zero effort. That's the thing. Like it's almost zero cost to me, you know, for someone to say, Hey, you know, should I build by the hour or something? I'd be like, no, you shouldn't. You'll have to think hard hard about that one. (laughs) Right. I can think of no situation where that, well, okay, that's not true. I can think of one situation where that's a good thing to do, but uh, it's very short term and it's, uh, it's not a business building proposition anyway. So I can point them to a bunch of places. I can tell them to get on my mailing list and ask me there, in which case I'll probably answer to the whole list. Trying to funnel them into, uh, oh, I, I didn't explicitly point out what I was describing here. If you, if you have a free option, you can always point them there. So, uh, if you do have some kind of community, free or inexpensive community where you discuss things like this, then, then you could point them there and say to these guys, I know this isn't the case with you, but, um, if it was someone who wanted to ask me a million questions, I would say, you know, um, I can't do this right now. I'm not, my head's not in the right space, but, if you want to go to expensiveproblem.com slash list, you can jump on my mailing list and you, you can ask me as many questions there as you like, as long as you're okay with me, you know, kind of answering them in public to the rest of the list. Uh, so there's a free option. If that's not cool, if you don't want to wait and you don't want to have your um, questions shared publicly, then here's this other option. You point to a productized service, which is, which is a nice uh, reason to have productized services. Because you can quickly say to a person like this, yep, that's uh, it's a perfectly reasonable question. Uh, and I've got just the thing for you. Here's a, there's a URL to it uh, on my business card and you can go there and, um, and see if that's going to be a good fit for you. It's, it's built exactly for clients like you in this particular situation. So I know you don't have that Ruben in this case, but that, that is a great application of having productized services because it gives you a really easy answer to, this kind of thing. Right. Right. For sure. Um, our friend Kurt Elster has a, has a, a very sort of polite, but clear unambiguous answer to this question. When someone, you know, sends him an email, Hey, uh, could we jump on a call to pick your brain? He's like, sure. Exclamation point. Here's a link to my clarity uh, page where they have to pay like, I don't know, 90 cents a minute or whatever, $5 a minute to talk to him. He's like, yep, yeah, definitely. Here you go. And of course, they never get back to him. But, you right. know, well, it, having a quick answer, I think, is really whatever answer it is. I think it, it makes it seem more polite and normal if you don't hem and hog them. Eh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. And then you're kind of like the whole time you're kind of begrudgingly answering their question. Right. Right. I actually, I mean, this, this client in particular, I mean, really, they're, they're great to work with. I work with them a ton. I just found out they're building a seven-story building, so they're going to be hiring tons more people, which means way more training for me in the future. So, like, I'm happy. Um, But it's all training. Like, it's no consulting. Mm -hmm. And there was a possibility for me doing some consulting for them as well. And I met with them, and everything was great. And then they asked for a price quote, and I gave it to them, and silence. And I'm guessing, basically, as I've often found, the people who fund training and the people who fund consulting are two different departments with two different budgets. And while the training, and I, I price it, I price it literally the same amount, um, you know, per and and you can close your ears for a moment per block of time. And basically, um, like they, they they clearly thought that this was way too expensive in terms of consulting work. Okay, fine. So they got they got a free meeting out of it. Mm-hmm. And I, travel an hour and a half in each direction um, so yeah that really bugged me i was sure i was sure that it was going to lead to it but fine fine mm-hmm. could have been worse when you start a new project typically you need things like a domain name hosting things like that when i choose hosting i pick mine for the options it gives i like to know what i'm getting and set things up just how i like them this is why for your projects you should check out linode linode servers 
feature native SSD storage, a 40 gigabyte network, and Intel E5 processors. That's all the power you need to run VMs under full control or Docker containers, who doesn't love that, encrypted disks and VPNs. Plus, they have 10 data centers across the world and add-ons like Backups, Node Balancer, and Longview to help you control your server costs. They also offer block storage for your static files, and you can get started with a $20 credit if you use the code FREELANCERSHOW2018. That credit is good for four months on their one gigabyte server. That's a lot of time to try them out and see if they're the right fit for you. That code again is FREELANCERSHOW2018. Also, if you're interested in working for Linode, they're hiring. Head to linode.com slash careers to see their available positions. Yeah, I mean, I've jumped um, on planes for, for meetings like that. and But I do... I do make pretty sure like explicitly that there's a real business opportunity here. You know, like, are the decision makers going to be there? If we can, you know, have a handshake in the meeting, are we good to go? Are all the people going to be there that need to be there um, to get started? Uh, is there a real, is there actually a budget allocated for this work already? Or is, you know, are you guys still in the thinking phase? That kind of thing. So yeah, I'm super, st- I, I mean, on the one hand, I will jump on a plane for what looks like a, a, likely business opportunity but i do find out how likely i think it is before i do it and it's pretty yeah i was sure this was gonna happen i was totally sure this was gonna happen and then uh oh well Mm. all right you know can't win them all they they've paid me enough over the years and they will continue to that i I can't begrudge you know one one meeting not so bad right Um, okay i mean if they've shown a pattern then i would uh, over time i would probably be less and less likely to you know to continue to continue doing that i just feel like oh you know what i'm just i'm not doing consulting anymore i'm just focused on training and just just wave it off right that's a good point though you know if if this if it's chronic that's a completely different situation like if if it's not you know if somebody's repeatedly basically you get you get to do this with me once you know if if you want to ask me a question once and i can answer it pretty quickly then i'm happy to do so um but if it becomes a pattern, I'm going to either send them, I'm going to point them at someone else, or I'm going to say, Hey, you know, this is a perfect fit for my retainer. This is exactly what my retainer engagement is designed for. If you guys like to check that out and let me know, um, you know, that'd be great. Here's a link to it. I'll check back with you in a week to see if I haven't heard back and and see what you think. You know, I I have this set up as a product. So if somebody wants to just pick my brain on a semi-regular basis, then they're going to get a sales page in reply eventually um but first i want to demonstrate uh, that you know that value that it's valuable i want to be able to impress them i want them to feel like you know i'm different than other people i don't know it's uh i I suppose it's a fine line but the first impression you know first impression of of I, i think the first impression that you sensed you might give off of being a mercenary is accurate and would never lead to business I, I it's very hard to imagine that leading to business with and even if it did lead to business it would be with someone who was looking for mercenaries and they are always going to be price sensitive so yeah, here, here's right. the flip side of it when, when uh, oftentimes i've had past clients or or even i think it's probably even happened yeah this has even happened in cases where people who are not yet clients who email me and explicitly say that they value my time and they understand that they're asking for something and, and they, they want to be clear. Look, I'm not looking, I'm not asking for something for nothing here. Be happy to pay you for your time if you like. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how that works with you, but I would be happy to do that. And they kind of point out that they, they, they are sensitive to the fact that that is my product. You know, advice is my product. So, a lot of times merely saying that is enough to get me to be like, ah, it's cool. We can jump on a phone call, like 15 minute call or whatever. Just see if there's a fit, see if there's, see if there's anything I can actually help with, uh, that sort of thing. But again, if they, if they were like, cool, that was great. And then two weeks later I get another one, then they're getting a retainer page. Right. Right. Uh, I mean, in my case with, with this company, I'm convinced that they like the right hand and left hand, no idea that they both talked to me about doing some consulting work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm sure that the budgeting is done through a totally different department consideration and, and so on and so forth. And yeah, they tend to be very price sensitive, um, on, on that 
I mean, again, that's that's one of the reasons why I so enjoy doing training because the price sensitivity goes away to a large degree in many ways because I'm competing not with other individuals but with large training companies mm-hmm. who have massive overhead. So it's like basically they figure they're going to pay the same amount to whatever company does the training. They couldn't care less if I have a staff of 10 people or staff of one person. Right. Exactly. In many ways, it's better that you have one because they're talking to like the right person all the time. There's no telephone tag, none of that. Right, right. And if we need to schedule things, like the way I schedule stuff with some of these companies, I just email them and I say, how about these dates? And they email me back and say, great, done. And <laughs> I, I can't believe how multi-billion dollar companies do business, but I'm not going to complain. Right. So the thing I think we should mention that, or at least I'd like to point out that I am a 100% fan of Blair Ends and his Win Without Pitching Manifesto. And I, I want to make it abundantly clear that I do not think you ever should pitch for work. I, that is never a good idea. I can't think of a situation where that's a good idea. I mean, basically you're screaming, it screams desperation, which means you're going to be competing on price. You've lost, you've given up or lost all power in the negotiation. They're basically, you're basically just, you know, a puppet on a string at that point. You know, if you're spending, you know, a weekend preparing a pitch deck for, for a meeting with somebody, no, that is not, not allowed. <laughs> you're, you're not allowed to do that oh my in, God. My, in my world. You know, put- I've, I've looked at win without pitching briefly. Um, but like, and I, I seem to remember some of the ideas from there, but I don't think I've, I mean, I, I have meetings with people. I mean, I haven't done it in a while, but I've had meetings with people talking about potential projects and, you know, send them email with a, with a proposal, but like, I can't imagine putting together a pitch deck. Oh my God. Yeah. My, do people do that? <laughs> yeah. My, my wife used to be in advertising and, she, and I, one weekend helped her and her team just go through the most dreadful exercise of putting together like a printed, like we, on Sunday night, we were at a printer doing a press run to, to have this book printed out that they were going to bring to a meeting to maybe get some work on Monday. And, and, you know, the client was huge. It was like a huge national retail chain, but still like you come in with that. You're basically saying we will do anything for this work. You can tell us to do stand on our hands and we will do it. And that to me is, that is not the way to do it. That is, that is a recipe for disaster, frankly. You know, that's a recipe for getting bossed around in the relationship. Like if the client is bossing you around in the sales process, when they have zero power over you, what do you think it's going to be like when they are giving you money? It's going to be way, (laughs) way harder to say no to their demands. And so that then you turn into an order taker. And if you're supposedly the expert at the thing that you're they're hiring you for, whether it's web development or copywriting or or whatever, if they say, oh, maybe you could just throw together a sample, a sample website for us over the weekend and we can take a look at it and let you know if we think you're good or not. And you do that. He's like, no, no, that's a terrible client. Anybody who would even ask that's terrible, but still, let's just say they're ignorant. You could say to them, you know, no, I don't do that. So if that's what you're looking for, then, you know, I'm, I'm not a good fit. I can, you know, maybe you should go to Fiverr or something like that and just, be like, no, thanks. Of course, it's difficult if you need the work and all those things. If you're desperate for the money, you're, then you actually are desperate. You're not just appearing desperate. You actually are desperate. And that is the one scenario where I, I give students permission to go find an hourly gig to keep the lights on, get your keep the lights on money. If you have clients who are sitting there ready to pay you by the hour, fine, go do it as a short term cash flow stopgap. But make sure that you've got hours left over in the week to, you know, maybe 20 hours, 10, 20 hours left over every week that aren't billable that you can spend working on the business. So you no longer have to take hourly clients in the future and you can kind of level up your profits and your uh, level of engagement with your clients. So that that's the one exception. That's the only time I find myself saying, you know, go ahead, take an hourly gig. It's sitting right there. Just make sure it doesn't suck up all your time. Uh, because then you'll just then you're just kicking the can down the road. So anyway, I, so I mean, no no pitching, please. 
it's funny for me. Like, I mean, I guess I remember once having to do this sort of pitching with someone else, like, like it's sort of a competition that was so many years ago. And I mean, I mean, I saw Mad Men, right. Where that was like, the, the essence of what they had to do, mm-hmm. where they had to wow the potential client. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying in terms of like having to sort of come across as the expert rather than someone who's going to take orders at the same time. And maybe I'm totally wrong here. They were getting a little off topic too, but like, I have to imagine that there are certain industries where they're just so used to working that way that it's weird for them not to. Where they're going to bring in, you know, three companies, and now you might just say, "I don't want to work in that sort of industry, or I don't want to work in, with those sorts of clients." Yeah, I mean, the in this space, the ad space and digital agencies, that has been the, the norm, and I think you know Blair is a perfect example of someone who's on a mission to stop that. He's got, you know, the Win Without Pitching Manifesto is really good. And it's, it, it, you can read it for free online, dear listener. We'll put it, the link in the show notes. Uh, you can read it for free online. You can actually buy a hard copy of it. I recommend the hard copy. I actually love it. It's a cool little, cool little sort of, sort of, uh, it, it reminds me of a religious text that you might find in the back of a pew. It's, <laughs> it's very <laughs> bombastic in that way. Uh, and, and that's about a mindset type of reshift. But he's also got a new book called Pricing Creativity. That is obviously for creatives who are probably of any industry that I can think of most familiar with pitching for free. And it goes on for 150 pages about exactly why you shouldn't do that, what to do instead, how to price your work. I mean, he, he and I are very much on the same page. He just focuses on creatives more so than I do. So, you know, there is a path out of it, but I agree with you. It is a, it is considered a norm and by, you know, refusing to respond to RFPs, then, you know, you're, you're probably going to, you're definitely going to miss out on some work, but guess what? Those are probably not great clients. If they view you as, if you, they view you as interchangeable with a bunch of different vendors, you know, more or less interchangeable, it's very hard to get any kind of leverage in the negotiation process. You're basically you know, in that situation where you, you're so invested in the sales process because you spent the entire weekend, you know, you pulled two all-nighters in a row to come in on Monday, do a pitch, and they're like, eh, we kind of like your stuff, but, you know, you're a little pricey, and somebody else was a lot less, so, yeah, we're going to go with somebody oh, else. God. And then you're like, oh, well, wait a minute, how, how much would you, I'll, well, I'll match their, you know, because now you're desperate because you're so invested in the process. So if you let yourself get to invest, that's when you get angry at them because you invest yourself in the process with some sort of, you, you feel there's an implied promise that some business will come out of it. Uh, it's like when someone says to you, Oh, you know, we're, we're not going to pay you a lot on this uh, project, but there's, it's going to be great exposure or we can't pay you. a Oh lot. my God. Yeah. Oh my God. I so despise that. Yeah. Um, and yet, and yet many, many clients say that or have mm-hmm. said that to me over the years. Yeah. Another one is, I mean, we can't pay mm-hmm. you a lot, but we'll refer you to all our, all our friends. I'm like, yeah, as a cheap option. Thanks. No, thanks. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I, I mentioned this in the past that like in Israel, many, many companies have a purchasing department and the purchasing department is not necessarily in charge of purchasing. They call you up to knock down your price. Mm-hmm. So what will often happen is I will agree with the training manager, like, okay, I'll come into your company, you know next uh next wednesday or a week from what month from wednesday whatever it is mm-hmm. and everything's great and they say okay you'll next get a call from the purchasing department when i get a call from them i know what the next sentence is which is we'd love to work with you but you're really expensive um can you knock this down mm-hmm. and i think it's now been about two years that i've said no right and there's stunned silence on the other end of the phone because like in israel everything is negotiable <laughs> um and like like Absolutely everything. And the, the notion that I, and, and I get them start, like, they start to get desperate. They're like, please, like, you have to, yeah, like, if I show this to my boss, like, without a discount, like, they won't let it go through. So I think about <laughs> six, eight months ago, I knocked, like, $10 a day off the price of training. Like, just to sort of, like, and they said, okay, well, if that's the best you'll do, then fine. And I thought to myself, okay, if that'll make them happy, come on. But, like, they, they basically said, unless you give us something, something. And, um, and, and I think at some point I, they said, like, like, you won't go down at all. And I said, no. I said, that's a, you know, I have other clients who are interested in the time. And if not, I have other things to work on. Right. And I don't think they just never heard this before. This was really shocking to them. Mm. Um, so it, it, that's like the opposite of sounding desperate. And, and most cases, not all the time. Actually, 
Yes, in all cases, now that I can think of it, they come around, they're like, okay, fine, we'll, we'll work with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it has a lot so, to do with how you respond to that question. I, I have like, I think I have nine examples of different types of discount requests. It, it, so in other words, it, I have a, uh, a sort of short handbook called Learn Your Lines in which I give you exact things to say, like the exact quotes to say when someone, when a client puts you on the spot, basically asks you a tough question, asks you for your hourly rate. What do you say when somebody asks you for your hourly rate? What do you say if someone asks you to commit to a deadline? What do you say if somebody asks you for a discount? And I came up with nine different kinds of discount requests and had an answer for each different one. Like, you know, oh yeah, you know, know, we're a nonprofit though, so this can't be the nonprofit price. Or we don't have budget, you know, can you do any better? Or, you know, there's a million of them. And, uh, And that's one of them. You know, like, I mean... It is the, the thing is they'd be dumb not to ask because most people will cave. So, right. but it doesn't mean, dear listener, it doesn't mean you need to. And it's exactly like Reuben said. It's like, look, I, you know, I'll give it some, th- you know, whatever. It depends on how if if it's real time on the phone, then it would be like, you know, I I would say if it was real time on the phone, I'd be like, say something like, wow, you know, I appreciate you asking, and I do want your business, but I I just can't make a case for lowering my price. You know, I, I understand your situation and my price is fair. So if, if we can't, uh, if we disagree about that, then I'll pass on the work. It's, you know, you don't have to be a jerk. You can just, you can be polite about it, but firm. You know, if it was over email, I would probably say, you know, I'll give it, you know, I gave it, some, when I get back to them after like a day, I would say, you know, I gave it some thought and I just can't make a business case for this. You know, I've got other people who are looking to uh, hire me for this price. And, uh, you know, if they, if you don't value it as much as they do, then I totally understand. It's fine. There's also, by, by saying no, I won't discount, that then leads to them having some internal political tension. Because the person who wanted my course, they still want the course. And they're yeah. then super ticked off that they're like, what? <laughs> we don't have money? Like, like, so we'll put it toward X instead of Y. Like, we'll pay Ruben instead of paying some other schmo. But like, <laughs> We have the money. We're just not like, and, and, and typically they want the course because they're desperate for this new knowledge that will allow their staff to do something new. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, now what? Right now, now we can't do what we want. Yeah. Now they have to so go look for we, someone cheaper, which they're not going to, I mean, not, not that you're the least expensive option, but they're not going to want to do that. They're not going to want to search someone out and find someone like, oh, can we trust this person? We don't know if they're good. We know Ruben's good. You know, like, why are we going to do this? It's not worth the, the, the 10 bucks, like, you know, but you know, you're right though. I mean, it's, it's kind of silly not to ask for a discount. I've seen it happen in plenty of times, even in retail, like physical retail. I used to have a girlfriend who would religiously ask, Hey, is this your best price? And almost without fail, we're talking about apartment rent, everything. And people would be like, ah, I'll knock 10% off. I'll knock 20% off off for right. you. Right. Yeah. So people do it. So it is kind of silly not to ask, but it doesn't mean you have to comply. You know, another thing you can right. do is be like, well, you know, I can't make a business case for lowering my lowering my price. But if you guys are having a cash flow problem, then I'd be willing to talk about different payment terms and kind of put it back on them, like calling them, like kind of kind of intimating that they're acting like they're broke and almost like as an, you know, kind of like a backhanded compliment. You know, it's kind of like, oh, well, if you guys are broke, then I'll work with you on the payment terms. And they'll be like, oh, well, we're not broke. Well, then why are you asking for a discount? Why Why are we fighting over $10 a day? You, you just reminded me I have to get back to someone <laughs> <laughs> who who basically is not broke, but they're, they're, they've got cash flow issues. And he said, look, you know, worst case, I'll, I'll, I guarantee you'll get paid personally. And I actually know that he, he's good for that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I do stuff like that, that all the time. I mean, it doesn't happen all the time, but when it does happen, I'd be happy to do that if I trust the person. Someone the other day, you know, he he was um, trying to buy uh, a, like a digital product off my site, but his his he was you know from outside the U.S. credit card, his bank wouldn't allow that kind of a purchase, and so he was like, "Oh, bummer! I was hoping to you know be able to dive into this over the weekend, but." My, you know, I'm going to have to call my bank on Monday to get the thing charged. So I guess I can't read it over the weekend. Now, I don't know this person from a hole in the wall, 
But I said, ah, don't worry about it. I, I, I'm sure you're good for it. You can pay me on Monday and I, and I, here's a free copy of all the stuff you're trying to buy. You know, big deal. You could be sure that he's, he's, he's going to come back and buy stuff from you. Yeah. And he did. And on Monday he paid. It was like, it, you know what I mean? It was like, fine. Mm-hmm. I'm Absolutely. completely not. I'm, I'm, I don't think I, you know, this is me trying to judge myself, which isn't easy, but I don't think I'm a mercenary at all. I just don't agree with certain approaches that uh, I'm just, I just stand for stuff and I'm going to run the business the way I want to run my business. So if, if I am attracting clients who are constantly giving me a hard time about price or that sort of thing, then I know that it, it, it's incumbent on me to start attracting better clients. And, you know, how to do that is topic of many, many episodes, but, but that's the idea. And to pull it back to the original topic, I'm perfectly fine to give somebody, you know, a few minutes to try and answer their question. Nine times out of 10, I'm probably going to say, well, it depends on a few things, uh, but here are the best practices. You know, so if, if you're really, really in need of help, these will help. But if you're already sophisticated enough to have these in place, then we should probably set something informal. Very good. I'll just, uh, add one last thing that when we, um, we moved into our apartments, that's, uh, like 19 years ago, I guess now. Um, so the neighbors came and were very you know, nice and welcomed us to the building. Uh, it's like eight families in our apartment building. So it's not such a huge building. And someone said, Oh, I hear you work in computers. <laughs> like, um, do you think you make BB could help me? And I said, I would be so happy to help you. Um, absolutely. Uh, just, I assume you don't have windows, right? Cause I only know about Unix. <laughs> that was one of the smartest, best things I ever said. Never since then have I received a request for help from any of my neighbors. <laughs> it's, it's the best. <laughs> yep. That's tough. <laughs> um, all right. I think, I, I think we covered this pretty well. Uh, any, well, any, anything else you want to add? I no, think I think that was good. Yeah. We, I think we explored that pretty thoroughly. Uh, so got any picks for this week? For you, the listeners of Freelancer Show, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at lootcrate.com. Just enter the promo code bridge10 for 10% savings. Loot Crate is one of my favorite things. Every month I get a box in the mail, costs less than $20, and it comes with all kinds of goodies. I have stuff from just looking at my shelf, Batman, Spider-Man, Ninja Turtles, Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and much, much more. So if you're a geek, a gamer, anything like that, and you want cool stuff to put around your office, cool t-shirts, comic books, etc., then definitely check out Loot Crate. To save 10% on your new subscription, go to lootcrate.com slash ruby. Again, that's lootcrate.com slash ruby to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. I do. Uh, mentioned a couple, so uh, I've got a few since we mentioned a couple. Uh, we'll link to the Win Without Pitching Manifesto, which is winwithoutpitching.com, and Blair Ends. He is super. We, I basically agree with everything he says. So, and we're of a like mind on this, uh, on pricing stuff. And, uh, he is a great resource for folks who feel that they have to pitch in order to win business. He will explain to you how wrong you are. <laughs> Um, another thing I'd like to, uh, to point people to, you mentioned Mad Men. There's a really good video. I think, I think it's, uh, a little bit more of the mercenary approach, but it's a clip from the show Mad Men where Don Draper is talking to Conrad Hilton and Conrad Hilton asks him for some free advice. And, uh, uh spoiler alert, Draper says no, but the way that he does, I, I thought he did it in a really, really good good way. If you're going to say no, just flat out no, uh, I thought it was pretty clever how he did it. Uh, huh. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that scene at all. Yep. It's pretty good. It's like, Connie, you're asking me to, this is what I do for a job. You're asking me to do it for free. He's like, yeah, just this one time, you know, that kind of thing. So <laughs> check that out. It's short. Um, also mentioned learn your lines. You can check that out at, I don't know if I have a dedicated URL for that, but you can go to expensiveproblem.com slash, I don't even know, go to expensiveproblem.com and search for learning lines. <laughs> I don't know where it is, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a short book that is full of, um, lines, tells you what to say. 
here's your situation. This is what you say. And yeah, that's that's enough. I'll stop there. What about you, Rube? So I've only got one one pick for for this week. Um, so we've got five people in my family: my wife, me, and three kids. And of course, everyone has a cell phone. Um, so I've often wondered, gee, wouldn't it be nice to know where everyone was? And my son, who's twelve, was actually the one who pushed us to install this app, uh, Life Three Sixty. And of course, in the wake of all the um, Facebook data breaches and so forth, I'm beginning to wonder what this company knows about me. But um, I guess I don't have anything to be embarrassed about for the time being. And the nice thing is that it's free. For free, you get like a family circle and you know where everyone is, uh, well, assuming they have their cell phone with them. So it tells you not only where they are and whether they're moving or not, um, and it tells you like a location near there. So like my kids' schools and some of the places where I work and it tells you how much battery life they have in their um, uh, in their phone. <laughs> so no longer do we need to have like, you know, my wife call and say, oh, my God, my phone's about to die. Um, we can we can all see that and monitor. And it's, it's actually I've, I've been very impressed. It's a simple app. Um, and I'm sure if we were to pay for it, we would get something more interesting out of it. Um, but so far for its purpose of knowing where my kids are and being able to check on these sorts of things, it's been uh, highly effective. So definitely recommend it. My doctor uses that. Uh-huh. He happened to mention that. Well, this light, how, how does your doctor use it? Do you track of all his patients? Uh, no, no, it was his family. We were t- he knows I'm a mobile guy. So he, oh. he's like, oh, have you seen this? I've been using this with my family. It's great. So there you go. Two, two plus ones. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks, Jonathan. And um, I just want to remind all of our listeners that if you have ideas, reactions, uh, updates, suggestions, and so forth, for our 300th episode, we would be delighted to get them. You can send them to... Yeah, jstark at jonathanstark.com. Excellent. Thanks, everyone. And we'll be back next week on The Freelancer Show. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot com to learn more.